Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble Out the door Here we are, Radical Australia, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Remember, this is Listener Subscriber Week, and we would like at least 500 people to ring up in the next 56 minutes and become listener subscribers. Now, it's $35 unwaged, $75 for waged, $150 if you've got lots of money, and if your name's Rupert, (laughs) or, or, I'm, I'm, look, I'm an equal opportunity man. Or Gina, $1 million. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Now, we do. Dale is with us. How art thou, Emperor Dowager? Dowager? Empress? <laughs> I'm plodding along. You're I'm plodding along. One day at a time. Well, at least, uh, look, uh, Empress, I hate to say this. We have <laughs> the Empress of Empress, the paramount Empress mm. of the universe, not just planet Earth to interview today, a woman of extraordinary intellect, and bile. And bile, but mainly <laughs> intellect. We have Ruth Syrett. Of Albert Park. Of Albert Park. Martin Crowley Carroll's division. Exactly, division. Well, he's still the representative, but we've got rid of him as the Minister for Housing. I'm well, sorry. he's Minister for Equality now. Is he? Which means he gets around with his little entourage still, and when he needs a photo opportunity, he pops by and says, look, Anyone too aromatic yeah. <laughs> with a trail of flies behind them, tell them to piss off that oh, day right. when we yeah. got the press around. You know, you know, Ruth, I think we'll start off at the beginning because I'm that type of man. I'm pretty dull at the best of times and obviously you're going to outshine me. So no. I, there's no way I can compete with you. I'm going to ask you the first of the two questions. How old are you? Well, well. Uh, surprisingly... <laughs> yes... I've gotten to 57. Right. As I said to you earlier in the year, last year I achieved yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. And you actually said, no, you've survived. Exactly. Well, I really have. But mm. I'm surprised I've gotten to 57 because right. what I have gone through now for the last seven years mm. is death by Centrelink. Right, right. But you have to have a plan. Mm. You have to have goals, and oh, one right. of that goal, one of those goals for me, mm. will be doing what I did at the last federal election, mm. which is getting in people's faces with how to vote cards mm. for the better choices out there, mm. and seeing the the last of the dregs, 
allow the liberals flush down the toilet. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> flush down the toilet. Now, Ruth, we're going to do this yes. methodically because I'm, you know. I'll be good. No, you I can, won't be good. I mean, I'll be well, mean. Ruth, you can, I'll you modify. Can, you can be good. I don't care if you're good or mean, but I've I got a list of questions. And I've asked one, I've got one other question, and that's it. And then we go and have a drink. <laughs> that's if you can drink. All right. The second question is what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? I think I told you, probably my first proper memory was my parents loved horse racing. Mm. I can remember feeding the chooks on my grandmother's farm in Tasmania, and I would have been three and a half. Mm -hmm. I've even said, I've described rooms I was in as a tiny child, indeed Mm. a baby. Mm. My first memories would have been in my beloved father right. when I was a tiny baby right. and dad carried me home from the hospital right. in a bag in a, a, a beautiful old fashioned Gladstone bag mm-hmm. my earliest memories would have been of my father in the kitchen smoking his pipe mm-hmm. making pancakes for me or giving me other sh- lifelong sugar addictions right and mainly being very happy with my transgressions. Right. He would get a, a list from my mother when he came home from the Oh, sea. the old discipline, yeah, I went through that. As yeah. in, this is what your daughter got up to in your yeah, absence. It's his daughter, not her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah, I, I, know, I know the routine. And hence, Dad usually had to suppress hilarity and laughter. Mm-hmm. But I never got admonished severely for it. Mm-hmm. He just laughed. But another memory of my dad was when I was about, I don't know, four maybe, maybe three and a half, being at Stockholm Stud in Diggers Rest. My parents would go out and look at racehorses and yearlings at this, you know, show the public the yearlings. I climbed, the standing stallion at Stud was Rancher and he was a beautiful big chestnut mm. i'd climbed up on his fences mm-hmm. and i was he was dancing for me around his paddock right. and i just sat up there mesmerized watching him and all the the stable hands and the stud people came out and what are you doing up there get down from there get down from there so yeah i remember that but mostly it was my transgressions. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. You said you were born in Tasmania. No, no, my mother was Tasmanian. Was I she? was born out, I don't know the indigenous name of the country, mm. but I was born out at Box Hill. Box Hill. And I think I told you, some, some wag mm. changed the B to a P. Yeah. And my mother did not appreciate having her daughters come from Pox Hill. Hill. So she took the offer from the wonderful people at the Housing Commission and we had our first little Flintstones house Uh out at Dallas. And it was actually when they shot... President Kennedy. That's right. I was only a baby of three, maybe. Yeah, I remember Dallas. I've been to Dallas many times. And my mother stopped and drove to a church and prayed, and and the church was full of other people praying. From Dallas. (laughs) And I said to Mum, Mum, they're killing Irish Catholics out here. Do you really think it's safe for us to live out here? (laughs) 
or I look most concerned at her. Because I remember two things of that era, uh, three or four years later, uh, Ronald Ryan being hung. That's right, yeah. And again, I looked at Mum and I said, well, I guess it won't be much of a drive to Pentridge or mm. when they round me up. Well, and what, you are seven or eight then? About that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, I guess I'll, at least I'm in proximity. Yeah, but, but look, I've got some bad news for you. They'll get me eventually. No, I've got some no? really bad news for you. What's that? The last woman who was hung in Victoria was uh, Frances Nora Baby Farmer in 1894. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. look... Uh, Wasn't there Jean Lee, though, who was a woman who, I just think she had a few rough diamonds as uh, boyfriends, uh, and on the basis of that, they hung her. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't even really a serious accessory. No, no. But, but because she was considered a fallen woman, well, yeah, well, they could do that in those uh, days. Oh, no, well, that's right. Well, if, you can't, if you can't abuse a fallen woman, who can, who can you abuse? Well, it was that's, the way, cult- that's the way I go about it. You it know? was a strong cultural practice that's amongst right, the Victorian right. police who were also Irish Catholics and full of hatred of women. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a cultural thing at the time. Uh, but now, now, you just mentioned a sister. you got sisters and brothers, have you? I have got a sibling. Mm, a sibling? I yeah. like this. You don't talk to her then. Well, let me say we were never sympathetic. <laughs> right. Someone recently said to me, of all places, at a particular medical establishment, mm. I knew of Ruth Did you have a dog called Petsy? And I said, yeah, I had an Australian silky terrier called Petsy. And my nana, when she was wearing mauve, blue or purple, used to put the rinse in the dog's fur. (laughs) So she accessorised. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way it should be. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, I live there. And she said to me, I'm Deborah... Mm. Urquhart. And I said, you lived on the corner of Barry Road and such and such street. Mm. Same one. I knew all the mix. I realised mm. the ones I didn't know were Protestants. Mm. So which school did you, primary school did you go to? Original one I went to was Holy Child, Holy or Child, as we were yeah. known, I, I, Hellcats. Yeah, a good place for you, <laughs> the Holy Child. Hellcats. Hellcats. Yeah, yeah. And when my parents separated, which was about... 68, it was very uncool to be Catholic and separated. Um, we moved up to Sunbury. That was social. Who's we? Who's we? My mother, my sister and I, no, that no. was considered social elevation. Sunbury? Yes. In 68. Well, yeah. well anything is social elevation from Dallas Over Dallas, yeah. That's right. But, you know, the thing is, someone said to me, what was the hardship of the broadie life? Hmm. And I said, well... I'll tell you what was really hard about the Broadie life. Every bloody week without fail, an Elvis movie <laughs> at the driving, Tupperware parties, kids' parties. What's wrong with a good... Hiking Hang on, hang on, Ruth. Look, 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 I thought we were friends. What's wrong with a good Tupperware party? Oh, oh fantastic. Oh. I had a wonderful memory of one of my school friends that yeah. I said to this Deborah. I remember Shirley O'Connor at a Tupperware party in the 60s and she was a shapely, voluptuous, gorgeous woman with five kids. Uh And the Tupperware lady said, anyone got a stocking? If you have, you'll win the whole set of canisters. Mm. And off off whipped her 
stockings. stocking into the thing and she had a new set of canisters for yeah. a kitchen. And I thought that was the sexiest thing I'd ever seen right. for that right. period. But what I'm saying is, even though we were housing commission trash or we were supposed to be ashamed of our postcode, mm. Mm. I had many, many, many luxuries and advantages of that lifestyle and everybody took you in and mm. school holidays were you're having lunch at the Diamonds today yeah. they'll make you pan ham soup yeah. or you're doing such and such or I'm lending mm. you out to so and so this week now, to look when after you your went kids to Dallas, mm. your father was working wasn't he? Dad had a career at sea he was a marine steward and a militant member of the MUA right. and he proposed the MUA. Right, right. So the thing is, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. He's a working man. Yep. He doesn't make much money. He's, and, well, he and he's entitled, and he's, well, and he's entitled to public housing. Yes. But I mean, you see, this is how the Housing Commission helped people. Mm. Now, we lived in Port Melbourne right. originally, which mm. was being gentrified then, then yep. even before Martin Foley sauntered into the mm. scene. Mm. Now, my poor dad sustained injuries during the Second World War, and often he'd get in on a ship at 4 o'clock in the morning, and Mum couldn't drive into the city to pick him up. Right. Now, if he didn't have a mate who was a truck driver who gave him a lift to Spencer Street and he'd get the first train out to Broadmeadows. And because Upfield and Broadmeadows were equidistant. And he would have to walk some days in the rain into the city. And it breaks my heart that my father, who fought for this country and everything else, had that hardship. And we weren't given a house in Garden City or we close to his work. You were sent out right there. Now we were sent out to Broadmeadows because it was considered a better environment. Uh, yes, open space, and you're a long way away, out From of sight, out of mind. Close to Mooney Valley Racecourse. Yeah. That's about it. No, not that close. Oh, a fair distance. Yeah. Dad was always very... He had, if he'd had a good day on the punt, we'd kick on and go to the showgrounds for the trots yeah. or go to the Chungong in Mooney, Mooney Ponds and have, have dinner. dinner. This was not a racist remark. We no, no, no. affectionately referred to going to the Chows, yeah, that's Chinese, right. as being the highlight of the week. Yeah, yeah. And went to ones where we took our own pots and pans for the Kai Si Ming or whatever we had. But all I can say is I look back on those days and the kindness of people and people who took you in, fed you, helped you. And even though, as I've said previously, I had issues with my mother, my mother ran factory kitchens and reception centres but everywhere she worked she was the woman who organised the kids Christmas party and booked the magician and booked this and booked that and the house always had these treasure troves of presents that she'd get all year Mm. so when they had the children's party these kids from struggling families who worked at ISAS in Broadmeadows, up the road from Fords, had a really good three or four presents for their kids. Do you remember much of your schooling in primary school? Yep. 
What was it like? Well, my transgressions mainly. Well, tell us a few transgressions. Well, I was usually the... And I took pride in this, I might add. Well, look, nothing's changed, Ruth. You still take pride in your transgressions. That's right. This is a genetic trait. It is. It is an actual fact. It's my Irish rebelliousness. Oh, yeah, you're a natural-born radical. Blackguard and bounder and cad. But... I I was I always aspired to be the only girl in any school I went to to get the strap. Did you? Hey, yeah, me too. I and got, I always did. I was the only girl in my school who got the who got to get the cuts. Yeah, and you know what I thought was amazing? The language around child abuse in those days. Six of the best. That's right. But well, what, you don't want six of the worst. No, but what was what was interesting was the way that the head nun who usually dished out couldn't look you in the eye when they were doing it. No, well, they knew it was, wasn't good. They knew that. And they weren't sadists. Oh, you were just you were just an uncontrollable. No, I was an opportunist. An opportunist. <laughs> How do you mean? Well, what I'd usually get in trouble for was mm. that. Myself and a, another boy who was a transgression-type gre- person yeah. went on to be a total blackguard. We'd get on top of the school mm. building mm. and fetch all the lost balls. Nothing wrong with that. I used to do that. But we'd then sell them back to the people who <laughs> lost them. <laughs> I like it. Which was a bit... You're an entrepreneur, If You're an entrepreneur. Today you would be, you'd be rewarded at well, school. As well, as I... What's his face who's ruining America would say, You're hired. You're hired. You're hired. You're not fired. You're hired. But my dad used to say, Look, that's not the best. He'd say, In this family we share our lollies. Mm. And we don't take advantage of other do you, people. Do you remember much about financial. your grandparents? Were they alive when you were young? Yeah, I do remember them. And in fact, in my illness recently, I had memories. I never met my paternal grandfather mm. or my maternal. But mm. when I was, I'm a, I don't know if it was a pharmaceutically induced thing, but one of my I I was in ICU in one hospital mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, pneumonia. And I woke up one night and there was my two granddads at the foot of my bed, both in their prime as young men of about 22, talking about me, saying, she's okay, she's a fighter, she's going to get through this. Mm. And the hospital was having some kind of renovation and there was this strange sound. Mm. And my English grandfather, who apparently I got the ginger hair from him and his nickname was Ginger, who ran the London wharves. Mm. And he was a a bootlegger as well. He said, he looked at me and he said, don't worry, girl, that's only a couple of dragon pups that have come across here to the Citadel. They're the King's Dragon Pups. They won't fi- kill you. They'll eat, a, they'll eat a spy, but they won't touch you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I listened to the pair of them talking family gossip all night. Were they, were they dressed, period? They were dressed in their military costumes. costumes. Right. My maternal grandfather, who was a beautiful blue-eyed Irishman, mm was in his mounted rifle outfit, not quite like the 
cockade of feathers like the light horse, but dashing. And my grandfather, Ginger, Mm -hmm. who was the best maker of hooch in London, he and the Luftwaffe blew up several of the... Oh, the sugar factory in London. So he, he, he was res- more responsible than the wolf after. Oh, yeah. They, they used to miss it often. Yeah, well, he, he had never stray bombs. Yeah. See, Grandad had these uh, stills mm. full of bathtub gin, pure alcohol, hooch, yeah, yeah. and a stray bomb hit one of them. <laughs> that ricocheted off and hit the Lyle and something sugar factory. <laughs> The local kids loved my grandfather yeah. because they were fishing out lumps of toffee yeah. out of the Thames yeah. for a month after it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was alcoholic. Oh, it was being nicely fav- flavoured exactly. too. Yeah. <laughs> they slept well. Yeah. But no, I listened to them gossip, family gossip, all um, night. Had that happened to you before? Not with my grandfathers. But who else? Who would it happen with? Your father or? Dad came to me about two days after he died because mm. he knew I was heart sore mm. and he was surprised that his death didn't have as much of an impact on my sister nice. and dad said to me you can come and see me and visit me any night in your dreams I'm still here mm. and something else that I found out while I've been ill, was he's never left me. He's been looking over me the whole time. He's always been there. And I think it's quite, even though I had feuds and fights with my dad too, you do return to a place of the love you had for them as a tiny child. Mm. It comes back to you and you wonder how anything ever came between that and you with them. Mm. So if I have anything to be thankful for what I went through is that I have the certainty that my father has looked after me and looked over me. Right. So did you get to high school? Yeah, I did get to high school. Which which, which high school? Broadly High? Or Mercy Moles. Oh, still in the Catholic... Until I, could, until I could get out of it. And mm. what had happened was I said to my... I re- sent Dad a telegram at sea, do not pay second term fees, leaving Mercy College, going to the local high school. Right. Never looked back. I went to Upfield High, fantastic school, and then I'd moved to Brunswick... I sat the entrance exam for university high and they begrudgingly said, oh, I suppose you live in the area, you can come. (laughs) I'd worked over the Christmas holidays and I needed money. And I thought, bugger it, I'll go to the night school. Right. So I went to the night school, but then having money, after having had very little at one period when my mother was very sick, I couldn't go back to school I just thought it's not an option so I went to work but I did regret not having like a completed education so what you went to school about 15 16 or a bit older oh, I was 17 when 17. I left school so you didn't get your leaving then no but I went back and did what's called community access program right. at Melbourne University right, right 
but it was torturously slow. They only gave you a bursary for two subjects per semester. Yeah, yeah. But at least I did get to do it. I look, it's it's a luxury to get an education, but in retrospect, I'm not sure I needed it because I didn't really want the formal life. So where did you go to work? Everywhere. What do you mean everywhere? What type of work did you do? Shit jobs. Mm-hmm. Mainly I kicked in doors for a living. Kicked in doors? Yes. What, yes? You're a rang, thief? Yeah. yeah. Rang people up. Hello, how are you? Mm. I'm Ruth from, oh, you know, such you know, and such, such yep, yep, yep. of Aluminium Siding Company. Yes. <laughs> Can I send Mr. Rogers so-and-so out there with the latest examples of our poxy, <laughs> horrible product that is... Guaranteed to bring the house value down. It's shocking after a bushfire, too, by the way. But nevertheless, we're in the area, so if you'd like a quote, I can send out Roger and the team. So with that, I just sat down. I thought, who would really want this shit all over their house? Okay, maybe your old-time Celtic people. So I only got MC out of the phone book, McSo-and-so, McSo-and-so, because they love it. They wash it down with their gurney. They love it. So that's all I focused on. Well, you you would have been the biggest salesperson in that area. Well, I was... You targeted your market. I was the best canvasser in that area because my belief was don't ring up and annoy people. Ring the ones who do want the Mm. product and are Mm. interested in the product. Mm. So I did a lot of that kind of work, which, you know, I hope I never have to return to it, by the way. No, you don't have to. But nevertheless... It teaches you how to kick doors in. So yeah. that was basically all I did. Right. For how long did you do that for? Oh, Christ. Years. Many years. 10, 15 years. Same, same company. Yeah. And no, various. Various you companies. Name it, all of them. But the thing was, it became the galley ship work of the new era. Mm. I didn't do call centre work. No. Because to me, it was just appalling. Mm. There were a couple of banks I did some work for, and I, ironically, they were rotten even back then. then oh, they were always rotten. And that was 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, they were rotten there. And looking back on that, I remember one thing I did for a certain bank, that one of the vice presidents came in and said, oh, we've had these new mortgagees for two years and we've been... You know, people split their mortgage between a fixed and a variable rate. Mm. We've been charging them the most expensive rate. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Uh He had to suppress a laugh, of course. And I said to him, and he said, do you have any suggestions? What would you do? And I said, in this rampant era of consumerism, I suggest we ring each and every one of them. Are you mad, Ruth? Are you mad? No, I did it. And myself and a small team actually did it in a two-week period. We offered them the money back that they'd been ripped off, plus bank interest, and also another sweetheart deal at a lesser rate for the same period of time they were ripped off. And I said to the bank Mm. president, we do it. Or I go to the the um, I go to ASIC tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
So just, I didn't last long just with those of, people. Just out of interest, um, mm. Westpac was the only bank that wasn't referred to ASIC. Now, was the bank you were working for Westpac or one of the other three? One of the other three. Well, nothing changes, does it? Leopards don't change their spots. Absolutely they? not changed yeah. it. Mm. And even then, I thought, I'd rather be flogging bloody hideous cladding than dealing with these bastards. So how was your other life going? Life as a Romantic. Life as a woman, as a human being. Look, I struggled with all that because there were years and years of inevitable disappointments. But I was partnered for 20 years, Mm. loved him, Mm. unfortunately, the, the bad horses teach you the most, is right, all I can I'll say, say in retrospect. Mm. I worked in his business. Mm. Now, he was an auditor and accountant. Right. But he was a decent one and an honest one. Right. And he used to say to me, if that bastard Packer or mm. the other one, Murdoch, mm. just paid what they should actually pay, we wouldn't need any money for the hospitals, the schools, or the roads. Mm. So what we have in this country at the moment, apart from a police, a complete totalitarian government, mm. a collapse of all kinds of honour and all kinds of decent behaviour in the corporate sector, is a complete loss of trust. People have lost trust in institutions and everything else, and maybe they shouldn't trust them. No. Look, I'm going to give you a break for a, a sure. second or so. Mm. It's uh, 4.32. This is uh, Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. This is Radical Australia. Young Dowager Dale Bridge is doing all the hard work and occasionally laughing and occasionally crying. Hasn't had to hit the the bleep button won't No, not yet. the red button, no, because you're such a... I'm trying to be good. I said you're, you're an intellect. I don't know about that, I think... An intellect. No, no, look, take it from me, from another intellect. You're well, an, thank I can, you. I can always, I can always... Most people disagree that I'm an intellect, but you I, are. I, I can recognise one, you know, and yeah. you're one. And... Um, Try to think. Yeah, I try. Yeah, I don't yeah. always succeed, but I try. Now, Ruth, this is, you're going to find this extraordinary. This mm. program is being streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And so there are at least three people around the world who are listening to this program outside of Melbourne. And people can subscribe. Um, they can ring up and say there's an alternative. We can listen to real things or we can listen to the criminals and others, I'll put it that way. Well, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. You know what our latest slogan for the Wednesday Action Group is? You'll like it. Yep. The slogan is um, Coordinated Corporate Corruption. You won't see their crimes on CCTV. Uh-huh. My word. Mr. Mockbell gets stabbed, CCTV. You Isn't pinch, that you pinch something with supermarket, CCTV. That's right. You steal hundreds of millions from customers, not a paper trail, no CCTV. As I said, mm. I call them foes, mm. meaning effed off early. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they plan their whole yeah. disgraceful things. Yeah. It's yeah. what they do. 
It's, yeah. uh, you know, and it's de- deplorable to think that we've had this culture of vultures. Mm. Mm. And that's it, what it is. Did, have you had any children, Ruth? Or? No. no right. um, I was a nanny for a good 10 years in mm. my early 20s. Mm. I always thought I'd have 10 children. I thought I'd be like Maureen Finnegan and have 12 barefoot kids right. be worn out by childbearing by the age of 27 right. and just keep bringing children into the world to bring havoc into the world. But I didn't meet the right person for that, so hence... And I missed my dad being at sea, so I thought if I want to have kids, I wanted to have someone who wanted to have them with me. Right. So I didn't have them, but yeah. I feel like I I did all but the excruciating yeah. part. Right. right, okay. So I was happy with that. So when did you start getting sick, right? Probably seven years ago. When right. so, I so you were healthy before then? Strong as an ox. And so what happened? And the size with it. Yeah, well, I understand. I knew you when you were a... Buxom. <laughs> buxom, that's right. Buxom. Fulsome. Voluptuous. Fulsome. Like that young lady who took her stockings off at the uh, Tupperware party. Shirley O'Connor. That's right, yeah. yeah. I remember those days. Oh, she was a Not doll. that I ever saw you take off your stockings. No, like, but like Shirley was clear. gorgeous. Yeah. All right. So, what happened? It's starvation. What do you mean, starvation? Well, I was living in public housing, the first lot took everything I got on New Start bar $50 a week. Jeez. It's supposed to be 25%. What happened? Is it a public housing or community housing? They take housing? your rent allowance. Mm. They take mm. three quarters of your dole, mm. basically. Mm. And you've got to find a way to make that 50 bucks last. Last two weeks, yeah. Now, that was a week. A week. I, right. I've always gotten paid weekly. I couldn't mm. cope on fortnightly pay. Right, right. I moved into Martin Foley Towers. Mm. Took me eight years to get that affordable housing. What year was that? Oh, moved two in? years ago. What oh, took you eight years? Eight years to get appropriate public housing. Where did you live before that? I lived in a car for nearly a year. A car. A car. What type of car? A station wagon. My partner's station wagon. It was oh. only. I paid $50 to park it at a friend's place. Right. And I had to wait for the smokers to go to bed about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Mm. Then I'd sneak into it, sleep in the front seat, not stretched out in the back of the car because it was full of my belongings. Yeah. Get up about anywhere between four or six Mm. and sneak out. Mm. So what... And go to the gym for a shower and oh. do all that stuff. How, how did you find yourself in this situation? You would have only couldn't afford like... the rents. You can't afford the rents. Mm. And my partner had died. I had right. when did debts. that happen? When did that happen? Nineteen ninety, right. I think. So what did he die unexpectedly, or? Oh, he died as a, he was helped out by the hospitals. That's right. all I can say. Right. Murder by design. Mm-hmm. But. So it, you mean, it always you, happens at the worst possible time. So you're basically saying he was euthanized out of existence well, that's without his the, permission. That's what they do. I mean, mm, look, mm. What, when they do it in the Catholic institution, what it is is... Pain relief, in inverted commas. Pain relief, as mm. in morphine, mm. 
But what they do mentally is that mm. they say it's a practice of what were called the desert fathers mm. Mm. who probably took in people at the most wretched end mm. and they could pretend they were curing you of such and such and having given you the drugs for that. Mm. But it just so happens that it bumped up the morphine so that you just were not rousable and, and you, you died. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've noticed, look, I've been a doctor 43, mm. and I've noticed something very interesting over the last five or six years, mm. that there are these, what they call, care plans, which yes. I'm sure you'll talk about. It's all language. Yeah, and I've told all my patients who go into hospital, I say, if you want to survive, you just say you want everything humanly possible to done. survive. Do not sign up to any care plan. Do not sign up to not for resuscitation. If you don't want to survive, well, that's your option. But mm. if you do want to, because people go into hospital and they get bamboozled. Yeah, of course they think they it's do. a care plan. But I understand it's a death plan. Well, as I say to people, what I had witnessed in the last mm. six months mm. is it's a pharmaceutical end, which mm. is a code blue. Mm. So they put so many drugs through you that your kidneys finally pack up. Mm or other organs fail, and then you're out. Or it's a code grey, and that mm. is a aggressive patient who has realised that they're, they're at the end of it mm. and they're taking their last stand. Mm. Mm. But they've got security standing by to mm. jab you. Right. Let's, get back, let's get back to your situation. State-authorised yeah. killing. Well, there are, there, are, there are mechanisms by which people can be euthanised. They don't actually understand that when they sign up to plans. That's right. And my advice is that if you, know, you get a family member to be with you or mm. a friend, to actually, if you're going to sign up to a plan, to scrutinise it yep. before you sign up. Because once you've signed up, you can change your mind, but normally there's no time. That's and, right. And that's a dilemma. Let's get back to you. So you're saying that starvation... Set you on. Yep. This is Melbourne. Yep. Seven years ago, 2012. Yep. Death by Centrelink is what I was going through. So starvation set you off on this yep. downward spiral. Yeah. I mean, look, I I had more money, but I I still had things I had to pay for. I still had debts. I had mm. various things. I'd reached a point where I could. Out of every seven days, mm. there would be three whole days that I'd have nothing to eat. Right. And you hang on because you think, okay, I'll go into town tomorrow and I'll have a nice bowl of pasta somewhere, so mm. I'll get through it. Mm. But you're self-digesting at that stage. Mm. So you go through, you lose weight, but you lose muscles mm. and you lose strength. Mm. But, yeah... I, one of my doctors mm. said to me, I know what's in front of me when I see it. Mm. And she made me get into a car and she took me to the alley next to her house mm. and fed me a bowl of soup. Mm. 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 So at that stage... But I was at that point where I guess people could look at me and say... Yep, she's starving. That's a starving woman. Mm. So... 
At no stage did you make any contact with the so-called agencies that provide food? Well, even if you do, mm. Joe, mm. I'll tell you what happens to you. Mm. I used to go, I've been three times, mm. to the Salvation Army Crisis Centre. Yep. Now, you're only able to do that once every six yeah. months. months. Right. Okay, now the only thing that you can get that may last for $25 for six months is maybe powdered milk. Yep. You can't afford refrigeration. No, no. I had the power off so long in my place, over a year, mm. I had to get a technician out to restart the fuse box or whatever. Because so, so I couldn't afford electricity. So, so obviously you, you were basically in a situation where you didn't have any friends or family at this stage? Yeah, you've got friends and family, but the thing is, and I've been helped extensively by friends and family, mm. you can't keep going back to them. So it's a matter of pride, is it? It's pride, but it's also they've got the same, same problems. problems. Yeah. They're trying to survive as well. Mm. So... I mean, that was why I'd chosen to live in a car for a year. Mm, mm. And I've said to a lot of these supposed helpers and caregivers, the only ones I will say are the genuine ones are the Hare Krishnas in Albert Park. Mm. And I dragged myself there one day after I hadn't eaten for two days. And I said, look, I've got $5. I can give you $5. They wouldn't take it from me. Mm. And they said, you can come here three times a day, every day, and get something to eat. Mm. I might have been born into Catholicism, but I may even die a Hare Krishna because they feed people. Mm. They won't live in a a society where they don't help people Mm. like me. So... I was lucky I could barely get there. I could just get there to walk. Mm. And one of the attendants in the temple came straight up to me, Mm. sat me down and said, stay there and brought back a great plate full of beautiful vegetarian food. Mm. So They're the real deal. So what's happening to these hundreds of millions of dollars that are going to privately owned agencies to deal, in inverted commas, with poverty and hunger in this. Because, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, we're we're talking about billions and nothing seems to change. I mean, I I was in the city today Mm. with with the uh, uh, public housing, everybody's business. We're doing it. Early morning. Protest, six to nine, just to raise the issue of public housing. Yeah. And the number of people who are basically homeless, that's why we go there at six, because that's when people have chucked out of... It's what, even more now. More than there was before Christmas when we were there in November. Yep. So, so what you, what's happening to all this money? Because it's an industry. An industry. Okay, what part, do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example of the Starvation Army. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could only go there every six months. Sometimes I could get a winter voucher to get a coat mm-hmm. or before Christmas to get some homewares or another coat mm-hmm. and I got this incredibly nasty character the last time I went there and he said when are you paid 
And I said, I'm paid weekly. I'm generally paid by Tuesday. And you're broke already. Because it was Wednesday. And I said, no. I chose to pay a bill. Mm. At home, I've got a nail on my desk with a stack of bills. And that may be the only thing I achieve. Mm. But I paid those accounts. And that's my choice. And I said, you look at my record. you telling me I've over-abused this service, mm. that I've only come to you four times in 18 months? Yeah. Mm. So but that's what you get. They punch the bruise. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's nothing. There are times I've been there, and one night I saw a man, an African gentleman with two young adolescent sons who were all living in a car Mm. and they did nothing to help them. Mm. Mm. Nothing. And I said to them, look, sometimes bread's delivered here a couple of times a week and you don't have to deal with those people. Just look in the door Mm. and grab a couple of loaves of bread. So why do you think there's this mentality out there by people who are who are supposedly being subcontracted, religious-based organisations, private organisations? I mean, because they've always done it, Joe. Right. They exist to make their living out of the poorest people. Right, and that's what it's about making a living. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Salvation Army got five, I think, five billion dollars in government grants last year across Jesus. Australia to provide services to the community. Big They're the biggest uh, uh, employer agency in the country. I yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah, I've always refused to do any job network through them, mm. and I've said I'll go to any job network people, mm. but not. Uh, that former one, Leone such and such, Leone Green, and I won't go to. They're all fraudsters anyway. Right. So what happened? So I was starving. I didn't beg, but I guess I looked so bad. Mm. I literally had a couple of instances where people came up to me Mm. and said, I'm not moving until you come into McDonald's with me or whatever Mm. and have something to eat. And this is now. Now, as yeah. in six months ago. Mm. So what happened six months ago? Because I, I would see you regularly. Yeah. And you were involved in things. You were a hefty woman. Let's, yeah. Let's be realistic. Substantial. Substantially, yeah. substantial, physically and mentally. Yeah. And intellectually, a substantial woman. Now you're substantially, intellectually, but physically you've just disappeared. You'd well, be lucky to be fifty kilograms. I don't know what I am now, but I could have been a top weights jockey mm. or a track work rider. Yeah, yeah. Now. So what's happened in the last seven months? I slowed down a hell of a lot very, very quickly. Mm. Hence, because I didn't have enough calorific intake to walk from here to the tram stop. Right. It's as, it's as simple as that. I only got well about eight weeks ago. Because I got my appetite back. Right. All of a sudden, I just got my appetite back. Mm. And one nurse had said to me, you're not eating enough to have strength to be able to get out of bed because I was nearly bedridden for Mm. 
five and a half months or however right. long it was. Right. Your body gets used to anything. It can get used to starving. It mm-hmm. can get used to anything. Mm-hmm. Even when I had to go into the Centrelink office in South Melbourne, the security guards knew I was starving. Mm. They'd look at me and take me to the top of the queue mm. or get chairs for me or get whatever because they could see. I didn't know, frankly, how pathetic you get, mm. but you do. And what is good is that people are not all that self-absorbed that they don't see it in front of them. Mm. So it was just how I'd gotten, and it was just having to survive. Did, didn't it, did anybody at any stage suggest that you try out for a disability support pension? I'd been doing that for seven years. Seven ago. years? Yeah, seven years. And what's years. been happening? Refusal upon refusal upon refusal upon refusal. Occasionally you'd get an, a decent human being in some mm. of the Centrelinks who try and encourage you again. They change the rules all the time. You know, my psychologist said, you're suffering from post-traumatic stress. Mm. They no longer accept people for even bipolar conditions. That's right, or paraplegics. Yeah, they don't accept that. They've changed all the parameters in the last six years to make it exceptionally difficult unless you come in with no arms and no legs. And even then they will quibble over it. Well, See, I, I had some power once. I could, as a doctor, I could actually write a report on a patient who I've seen for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. I know the situation. Now, I'm not even asked to provide a report. That report is provided by doctors who are employed by Centrelink. It's yeah. just extraordinary. Well, what happened with me, Centrelink sends you these love letters every fortnight. Mm. That's what's his name, isn't it? What's his name? He's oh, that a... prick. What was his, that smiling prick? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about his name. I don't yeah, know him. Yeah, him. And in fact, that's why I've been determined to get well again so I can hand out how to vote cards against him and his kind. Mm. But this is a man who, who has said that any doctor who helps save some person in detention mm. is threatening border security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the fraudulent crap. Well, you know the Nazis. Mm. They they tried to wreck the camps before they pissed off, before they were off yeah. to Argentina or wherever they were going. Well, they rebuilt the ovens at Auschwitz to say this is what they did, this is how it was. Mm. Because the the Nazis tried to deny it all before the Red Army came across and got them. Yeah. Now, they're doing the same thing. Mm. Are we going to say, oh, we never had people on islands off Australia, we never had detention centres and... Oh, they had it good there. They had this, they had that. TV, mobile phones, you know, but no freedom. We've, you know, as you know, Mm. we've had people locked up for half a decade. Yep. And we're not even in a war. And some some for nine years who are stateless. Now, getting getting back to your situation, Ruth, when did you first come into contact with 3CR? 3CR, many years ago I used to listen to 
Susanna of Friday Morning. Sue, Sue Duffy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'd listen to her little skits that she did about Wreath the Thief. Wreath the Thief. And various other things. I guess I had the good fortune to listen to a lot of things because unfortunately there are some avenues in this country I can't listen to without an air sick bag <laughs> or a bucket, good mm. bucket. Mm. Mm. If I have to overhear it, I need a very good bucket. Mm. It's called purging. You purge yourself of that evil. Yeah, as I said, the only factual thing about Mr Bolt mm. and his ilk Mm. Is that if I am forced to to listen to it, I'll bolt to the toilet, <laughs> or I'll bolt for a bucket. Mm. Mm. So he's well named, if nothing else. So what sickens me is that one memory with my dad. My dad was in the British Navy during the war, and he was stationed at Murmansk and Archangel. He saw some of the worst battles of the North Atlantic, mm. including pulling men off burning ships and dodged Davy Jones's locker quite a few times himself. Mm. One, when uh, the world at war came on, it was like screened on a Sunday night and it yeah. was a big deal. The week that the, the show was about the camps, mm. Dad said, if you don't want to watch this, you don't have to watch this. My sister and mum couldn't watch it. No. And I said, no, Dad, it's all right. I'll sit and watch it with you. I've never forgotten those meat hooks. Mm. Never. The thought of people being put on meat hooks and hung up. Alive. Yeah. Alive. People need to understand that. Yeah. Through the nape of the neck. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm sorry, I know people will say, oh, you can't compare that to what we've done at Manus Island. Sorry, I do. Mm. If and they're metaphysical fucking meat hooks, excuse mm. my language, mm. they're meat hooks. Mm. And what we've done to people is equivalent or worse mm. because we're supposed to be civilised people. Mm. Now, getting back to your situation... Have you got any plans for the future, apart from staying alive and survival and getting revenge? Revenge is an art. Yes. As an Italian gentleman once explained it to me, hmm. he said, Ruth, revenge is a dish best served cold. Hmm. Hmm. He said, don't get mad now. Wait hmm. until a whole lot of other people are mad at them. Hmm. That's when you make your formal hmm. documented complaints. complaints. Right. And he said, I call it tartufo. Mm -hmm. So we have our nice tartufo at an appropriate time. Hmm. But you also let fate have a helping hand. Mm -hmm. So you're waiting. Let me say I'm documenting things. Are you taking action? I've set up a number of, how can I put it, avenues for people to add to documentation, mm. how to keep their own records. Do you have any way people can do that that you'd like to share? Not yet. But when you do, could you let us know? I will be. 
Because we'll bring you back in and we'll chat about that, all right? Yep. That's a promise. But one thing that's wonderful about fate, mm-hmm. I struggled to keep my husband's car even though I don't drive myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have it at Martin Foley Towers because it had to have about $300 of stuff done to it before I'd be able to move it to there. I couldn't park it on the street. I'd just get constant Tickets, uh, yeah. bills. I would have to wait till someone died before I could get a car spot. Mm. So I had it previously parked at where I lived in, in Bank Street in South Melbourne. Now, I'd paid for the permit to park the cars every mm. year. Mm. The... I'd go back and check the permits on the on the car and different things like that every couple of days. Mm. Someone had gotten into the car and pulled out the permits or whatever. Mm. So I had other hassles. Anyway, long and sh- short, the car got confiscated. I then had to deal with the, the bastards at, mm. at uh, City of Port Phillip. But, you know, I don't think it was my partner's car. But the karma was they suffered, Mannheim's auctions suffered some sort of a loss, big loss due to someone lighting fires on their premises. No, these things... And I didn't have to lift a finger. No, Mm -hmm. well, no, you're just thinking about it. Well, Ruth... I just, I didn't have to think about it. It just just happened. happened. So I'm a great believer in just fate happens to people. Well, if you're a Krishna follower, you believe in karma. Thank you very much, Ruth. Time's run out. When you've got all this stuff organised, come in and we'll have a good chat about it. Because I think it's important that we share that because the thing about talking to you is that uh, it's a common story. I see it every day in my practice. It is a common story. All the organisations are there. All the money is there. But somehow the problems never get addressed. That's right. Thank you very much, Ruth. Thank Thank you, Dave. Thank you both. And, you know, all I can say is... Onward to better things. Don't stop striving. Don't stop trying. doesn't matter what you lose materially. You've still got a voice and you still can clearly see what's right and what's wrong and point it out. Good. Thank you very much, Ruth. We've got to go for no the next program. Thank you. No problem. No problem.